We have some buzzards here today. Do the buzzard sound. Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter or email us rotounderworld at gmail.com. We have a buzzard right in. Now, I have two shows. You know I have two shows now. It's pretty much been broadcast to the world on all my platforms that I have two shows. Die Hard's podcast, Mondays and Fridays. Roto Underworld Radio, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. We were only going to do Roto Underworld Radio Tuesdays and Thursdays, but every week, I just have too much to talk about. There's too many nuggets to get out there. There's too many questions from the audience. There's too many buzzard emails that we have to share with the audience that we just don't have the ability to squeeze it into two shows. We always end up doing three shows. Why? Because I do it for you. Because I love you. Free content from Matt Kelly at Fantasy underscore Mansion on Twitter is where you can find me. And I will continue to pump out this content for you. We did a show for Football Diehards yesterday, the Football Diehards podcast. And we had this little nugget. It wasn't a nugget. It was a buzzard message. And I know you want buzzard messages. We had some emailers and some tweeters ask us for more buzzard messages. It's been some buzzard-free shows that we've been featuring, and we need to bring back the buzzard. So I have a buzzard message for you from the Football Diehard Show. So go back to yesterday's show, listen to the Football Diehard Show, and that will help put this buzzard message in context if you haven't read it already. Here it goes. Buzzard writes in, You know, Hankerson and Randall left the game with injuries, and Lucky Whitehead is a fullback. Just thought you might want to know. I didn't want to know, first of all. I don't, I don't, I don't care. And, and yes, I knew that Hankerson and Randall left with injuries. No, I didn't know that Lucky Whitehead was a wide receiver and not a fullback. None of that mattered in the larger context of the point I was making. Why do you exist? Seriously, why do you exist? Why do you exist? You're out there with this desire to flex that cowboy's knowledge muscle. I know Lucky Whitehead is a receiver. You're wrong. You thought he was a fullback. I am going to pull up Twitter and let you know how wrong you were. I know more than you about the Cowboys personnel. Congratulations, Buzzard. Congratulations. What do you want? I mean, what do you want from me? Seriously, what do you, what do you want? What do you, do you want a cookie? Is that what you want? Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. You knew he was a wide receiver. Good doggy. Good dog. I'm glad you spent the time to write that message to me. Not helpful at all. It just wasn't helpful. It was just a self-serving message. You were doing that to make yourself feel better. Look at me. I know more than you about who Lucky Whitehead is. That was essentially the goal of the message, was to flaunt your knowledge of Lucky Whitehead. Well, congratulations. But think about it. Why do you exist? Why are you compelled to do that? What inside you compels you to write a podcasting host that message that nobody cares about? Nobody cares about those corrections. It would be one thing if I were making a point specifically about Joseph Randall's ineptitude, which I wasn't. It was a larger point about Darren McFadden's ability to handle a full workload. It wasn't about Joseph Randall. Nobody cares about those corrections, especially me. So why are you sending them to me? I don't know. Secondly, I do a show on Monday morning. Think about that. I do a show on Monday morning before news breaks Monday afternoon 
that player X was dealing with an abdominal injury throughout Sunday's game, or player X received a lesser snap share because he was suffering through a quad strain. We find these things out about Chris Ivory and Leonard Hankerson and Joseph Randall later in the day. Do you want a Monday show or not? Do you want a Monday show? Because I don't have to do a Monday show. Because if that's what I'm going to get hit with, if that's going to be my consolation prize, hey, congratulations, you did a Monday show, great job. We're going to go ahead and retroactively criticize you for injury news that you didn't have at the time. Thank you. Thank you for that gift. I appreciate that reward. Thank you, buzzards. Useless. Just useless. It's like people don't realize podcasts aren't live. You do know this. What you're listening to right now, right now, this, 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 this word I'm about to say, this podcast, me talking to you right now is recorded. It's early in the morning. You're getting it in the afternoon. That's how podcasts work. There is going to be news that breaks during the day on Tuesday that I am not aware of because I don't have the power to warp the space-time continuum. So get out of here with your Joseph Randall actually strained his abdominal muscle. Okay, thank you. I have the news feed just like you. I'm getting the news when you get it. Trust me. If I had it when I recorded the show, I would have mentioned it. Just trust that that's true, okay? You're not enlightening anyone with these messages. You're just wasting time making yourself feel important and knowledgeable, and you're not. Trust me, you're not. I know more about this than you do. Otherwise, you would have the podcast, and I would be listening to you, but that's not what's happening. It's reversed. God. And what if? Let me ask you this. I have another question. I have a question for the audience. Riddle me this. Is it a big deal if... I didn't know about the specifics around a player's injury early Monday morning. Is that even a big deal? What do you think I do? Do you think I just spend my entire life staring at Ian Rappaport's timeline on Twitter? Do you think that's what I do with my life? Is that a good use of my time? The man that manages playerprofiler.com, the man that produces five podcasts a week, multiple articles per week, is that a good use of my time to not do any of that, but just sit here and stare at Ian Rappaport's timeline just in case there's injury news that affected a game two days ago that's being released now that I can be completely up to speed on at the very instant that it is released. So if I happen to record a podcast 10 minutes from now, oh, it's going to be up to date. Is that what's really important? Tell me, at Roto Underworld on Twitter, or Roto Underworld at gmail.com. Contact us, let me know, is that a good use of my time? Would you rather me do that, or continue to curate all the content on playerprofiler.com? I mean, you tell me. <laughs> my God, these messages, these correction police messages are a droning albatross around my neck. It's like... A half-dead, droning albatross just moaning, about to die around my neck that I can't get rid of, perpetually annoying me all day long. That's the, th those are the emails and tweets I get. You realize this. <laughs> the least helpful emails and tweets you could possibly imagine come from this buzzard flock and land on my head 
like bird feces every day. <laughs> and so what if Leonard Hankerson left with an injury at some point in the game? And so he played two quarters instead of four quarters. I don't know how many quarters he played exactly. What matters is that he didn't record a target even before the injury. In any game that Julio Jones leaves with an injury back through time, you can go back and look at those games. He recorded multiple targets before leaving the game because he's the target hog. That was my point. That was the point I was making on the show. It wasn't about Leonard Hankerson or Roddy White even. That's what kills me. It's one thing if I'm making a point about a particular player and you have some additional commentary that you think will strengthen that point or <laughs> just drop the phone. This is how mad I am. This is how upset this is making me. Things are starting to fall on the ground. My desk is shaking. I'm unhinged. But it would be one thing if you had a counterfactual to a player I was actually talking about. But this color commentary about auxiliary players that weren't even part of my larger point is just maddening. It's such a waste of time. Take a look in the mirror. What are you doing? You're just proving to yourself that you know facts about football players. Congratulations again. Congratulations. Do you want me to validate you? Am I the guy in the universe here that's to validate your football knowledge? Well, congratulations, Buzzard. I'm here. I'm, this is a genuine remark. Just as genuine. This is a genuine thing I'm about to say. You know football. You're good at football knowledge. You're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. You know who Lucky Whitehead is. That's a good thing. You're smart. You're a good fan if you know who Lucky Whitehead is. That's great. Good job. Really good job. Go out in the world and feel confident. Hold your head high that you know football. And more than anything, you know the Cowboys. And you know what else you know? You know injury reports. That's a great job you're doing. Congratulations. Be proud. That's an accomplishment. The larger point that I made on yesterday's show was that Julio Jones is the only usable fantasy asset in the Atlanta passing game now that the team has become run-oriented. A 100% healthy Leonard Hankerson is not usable as long as Atlanta is running the ball 30 times a game. You do realize that. You do realize that was the point. And just one more thing. Just, I have to say this in my own defense because I'm feeling defensive here. can tell I'm lashing out, feeling defensive. I didn't know Lucky Whitehead was a wide receiver, okay? I didn't know. He's in playerprofiler.com. I've edited his profile in the past. I don't know how I missed it. You can tell that I'm feeling inadequate and I'm lashing out. I'm feeling shame for the mistake that I made, and I'm feeling great regret that I didn't know that Lucky Whitehead was a wide receiver. A wide receiver, incidentally, that received four carries in Dallas's game against the Giants. I don't know how you give five carries, four carries, three carries. It was between three and five carries to a wide receiver. Usually, you only see that with Tavon Austin, and very rare. And it speaks to the level of ineptitude of Kristen Michael. And that's a point I didn't even make en well enough. But before I get into Kristen Michael's ineptitude... In my meager defense, as I tried to explain my mistake, soaked in shame that I did not know Lucky Whitehead was a wide receiver, you have to admit, you have to admit, okay? You do. Think about this. You have to admit. The name Lucky Whitehead sounds like a fullback. 
If we were creating a fullback in a lab and we were to slap a label on his forehead and say, that is your name, that is what people will call you. If we built an NFL fullback in a lab, his name would be Lucky Whitehead. Isn't there a Rex Burkhead on the Cincinnati Bengals? Isn't he a fullback? Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email the show. We'll read some of these in future shows. What NFL position players look the most like the positions that they are supposed to be playing? Brian Quick, right? Brian Quick sounds like a wide receiver. Rex Burkhead sounds like a fullback. Storm Johnson sounds like a running back, doesn't he? Doesn't Storm Johnson sound like a running back? Yes. So apropos names of NFL position players, let us know and we'll read some on tomorrow's show. Because I still contend that when Lucky Whitehead's parents named him Lucky Whitehead, they intended him to be a fullback. I'm not wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. But I wasn't wrong about Kristen Michael. Oh, no, I wasn't wrong about Kristen Michael. It's fairly amazing that Joseph Randall leaves the game after two carries. Two carries, incidentally, that went for more than 10 yards per carry. He was shredding the Giants before they had to take him out of the game. He pulled his abdominal, and they had to give all of the carries to Darren McFadden. Then he went up and rolled up well over 100 yards, a touchdown, catches, RB1 day in fantasy. Congratulations, Darren McFadden owners. I'm not clapping. I'm not, I will not clap for you, but congratulations. Kristen Michael, let me get this straight. Just let me get this straight, Kristen Michael owners, Kristen Michael enthusiast. Let me get this straight, okay? So let's just level set this for a second, okay? Joseph Randall leaves after two carries, and Kristen Michael was receiving significant snaps with the first team offense throughout the week, preparing him for Sunday's game against the Giants. Then... Not only were they already preparing to give him carries, the guy ahead of him in the depth chart goes down with an injury. And what does he do after that? He gets five carries. And with those five carries, he compiles 20 yards total. And a catch. Oh, he had a catch in there. He had three fantasy points in PPR. That was his day. That was Kristen Michael's day. Think about that. The other running back, Darren McFadden, the other healthy running back on the roster, because we think we've established Lucky Whitehead is not a running back. He had over 25 fantasy points, Darren McFadden did. Kristen Michael, less than five. With that opportunity against one of the worst rush defenses in the league, the New York Giants, giving up almost three fantasy points per game to running backs above the mean. One of the top 10 juiciest matchups for NFL running backs is the New York Giants. Joseph Randall leaves the game after two carries in the first quarter. Kristen Michael proceeds to log three fantasy points. some water no that was so good that was so good because i've been saying for months that Kristen michael fucking sucks he sucks he just sucks 
It's obvious that he sucks. It's obvious that he sucked for almost a decade of football at the college level and the NFL level. And you still had people celebrating Kristen Michaels' arrival in Dallas, celebrating Kristen Michaels' potential ascendance in week seven. And you all, all you Kristen Michael enthusiasts, are just a bunch of suckers. You are suckers. And you don't know what you're doing. Just admit it. Just admit it. You want to send me a correction, Joseph Randall? Strained his abdominal. He didn't have a sore back. You want to send me that correction on Twitter? You want to email me that correction? Why don't you do this? Why don't you email me, rotounderworld at gmail.com, or tweet at us, at rotounderworld. Tweet us this. Email us this. Just say one sentence. I went out and traded for Kristen Michael, and I'm a sucker. Just say it. I played Kristen Michael yesterday, and I'm a sucker. Just say it. You'll feel good. It'll feel good. I've admitted my shame for thinking the unthinkable, that Lucky Whitehead was a fullback. I've admitted my mistake. I feel great shame about it. I've come out publicly and stated it as such. Now it's your turn. It's your turn to admit defeat with Kristen Michael. Just admit you're a sucker for believing in him. Now, no one's going to do that. No one's going to admit that they were wrong about a player I was right about. And no one is going to email us or tweet us any positive remarks about any of the advice that we gave last week or the rankings on playerprofiler.com or the optimal lineup generator on playerprofiler.com. But let's take a quick tour of the rankings on playerprofiler.com from week seven and the optimal lineup generator from week seven because we're on fire. And I told you this would happen. I told you once we had approximately five weeks of data to look back on that our projections would get more accurate. And that's exactly what's happened because in the top five quarterbacks, we had Tom Brady, we had Phillip Rivers, we had Ryan Fitzpatrick in the top 10, we had Brian Hoyer in the top 15. When you look at the running backs, we had Latavius Murray, we had Todd Gurley, had Mark Ingram, had Arian Foster all in the top six. We even had Sharkhandrick West in the top 20, had Danny Woodhead at 14, had Darren McFadden in the top 30, Chris Johnson. We nailed a number of our rankings. Yes, we missed Lamar Miller. Clearly, we missed Lamar Miller. And I'll get into that later in this show or tomorrow's show, the explanation how we missed Lamar Miller and how we're going to be doing a better job in the future. But yet also explaining some of the things that we will never know and will never be able to account for because it's only information we can know after the fact. So some of this information about Lamar Miller has been gleaned after the fact. And it will help us with our projections for next week. Because you are going to miss some projections. And it's important that you learn lessons from those projections. And build on those lessons for the next week. And one of the things we talked about with the New England running game. Is that with the New England running game. You cannot have LeGarrette Blunt as an RB1 in fantasy in weeks that New England is playing a stout run defense because the Patriots have the highest elasticity of fantasy point output based on the opposing defense. When the Patriots play a light defensive front like the Colts, LeGarrette Blunt is an autoplay in all formats, daily, redraft, everything, RB1. 
when the Patriots play a stout defense like the Jets, LeGarrette Blunt is a complete stay away. We didn't have LeGarrette Blunt low enough. With that knowledge in tow, we will have LeGarrette Blunt even lower the next time the Patriots face one of the best run defenses in the league because that's just how the Patriots operate. They don't play to their own strengths. They skew their game planning to the extremes based on the opponent's weaknesses more than any other team. They skew their game planning to the opponent's weaknesses. And we will be accounting for that in our rankings. The factors that we account for in our rankings and the fundamental underpinnings of our baseline projections layered with these additional learnings about certain teams, about certain coaches, about certain situations helps to make our rankings and our projections so good. If you look at the wide receivers, we had Allen Robinson number six, Rashard Matthews in the top 20, Martavis Bryant in the top 20, Stefan Diggs in the top 20. And we even had Jarvis Landry in the top 20. I know it's crazy. Yes, I know. I went out on Twitter and I besmirched Jarvis Landry's athleticism. I'm sorry, Jarvis. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But we still had him in the top 20 because these rankings are not driven by my own emotions and my own biases surrounding the player's athleticism. Fantasy football is a sport about opportunity and matchups more than it is intrinsic athleticism. That's why both Rashard Matthews and Jarvis Landry were in our top 20. In the tight end position, even before Antonio Gates was deemed inactive, we still had Ladarius Green as the number nine tight end, ahead of Julius Thomas and ahead of Jimmy Graham. What's that sound? What's that sound? Oh, that's me patting myself on the back. Yes, yes. The numbers don't lie. There's a show on ESPN, Numbers Never Lie. Well, the numbers don't lie about Jimmy Graham. I'm sorry I'm not sorry about Jimmy Graham. I mean, Jimmy Graham is one of the phenomenal athletes at the tight end position, but he is trapped on the Seattle Seahawks. You can't get around that. No Seattle receiver had more than five targets last week against a bad San Francisco pass defense. This is the problem with low-volume offenses. One receiver is usable on any given week, but good luck guessing which receiver that will be. Last week, it was Tyler Lockett. This week, it'll be someone else. That is a passing game. That is a stay away. The Seattle Seahawks passing game is the definition of a stay away passing game. Now, how does that influence the optimal lineup tool? We had this optimal lineup generator, which is now clicking on all cylinders because the rankings and the projected points from the rankings, we have a column in the player rankings that displays our projected points for that player. And those projected points power this optimal lineup algorithm that we have for both DraftKings and FanDuel. And if you go to the optimal lineup tool, it's on the top nav bar on playerprofiler.com, you click on lineup optimizer and then you can pick your platform. Do you like FanDuel? Do you like DraftKings? And then you click either tournament or cash. If you click tournament, you will receive... 10 high-volatility tournament lineups. And we had some outstanding tournament lineups. Now, you're not going to win the Millionaire Maker with one of our lineups. The odds of that are astronomically improbable, right? I mean, let's go to it real quick. I think we have I think I have a screen capture of the DraftKings leaderboard for the Millionaire Maker. This was the number one team at some point on Sunday in the Millionaire Maker tournament on DraftKings. This individual played Philip Rivers, Todd Gurley, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram scored 25 points. Stephon Diggs, 26 points. 
Mike Evans, 33 points. T.Y. Hilton, 34 points. Rob Gronkowski, 30. Lamar Miller at flex, 41. What? And of course, the Rams defense that scored 25 points. Everyone that's finishing in the top of these tournaments for week seven, all their lineups had Rams. It's all right. If you pick the wrong defense, you have no chance. You have to pick the right defense every week. That's one of the secrets to winning these tournaments is you have to pick the defense and that's fairly random. You can help your chances by picking defenses that face bad quarterbacks. So you'll see a lot of our defenses are Buffalo facing Bortles, Atlanta facing Mettenberger, the Rams facing McCown, Tampa Bay facing Cousins, Washington facing Winston. So that improves your odds. You don't want to play the Jets defense because there's no way they're going to have one of those outburst weeks against a Tom Brady-led offense. It's not possible. So you can pick a basket of six defenses facing the bottom-of-the-barrel quarterbacks that week, and one of those defenses will hit. And that's what we do with our lineup optimizer. And we had some good tournament lineups that would win money, just wouldn't win all the money. So a lineup we had on FanDuel had EJ Manuel, scored 22 points on FanDuel, Devonta Freeman, Todd Gurley, Larry Fitzgerald, Allen Robinson, Steve Smith, Ladarius Green, Dan Bailey, Bills defense. I mean, those are good lineups. They're not going to win a tournament. But you can see that we're hitting on a lot of these high volatility plays in our lineup optimizer because the lineup optimizer, when you click the tournament option, it selects players that have a high volatility week to week. They oscillate wildly 8 points, 28 points, 8 points, 28 points. Last year, Kenny Stills had a high volatility. So our tournament lineups will have players like Kenny Stills, like T.Y. Hilton, like Stephon Diggs, like Mike Evans, like Allen Robinson. One of our DraftKings lineups had Blake Bortles, Todd Gurley, Doug Martin, Allen Robinson, Stephon Diggs, Gary Barnridge, but Redskins defense. So if the Washington defense had zero points, so then, okay, you're not going to win a tournament with Washington's defense, but still, this gets you a very solid baseline, a high volatility play that can push your total points up into a zone that can help you get to that 200 number. Because that's where you want to go. You want to get to that 200 number. I mean, on DraftKings, the Millionaire Maker, the top 100 lineups in the Millionaire Maker, those teams are cresting 250. And hopefully one of these weeks, one of our lineups will do that. That would be exciting. I'm playing all of these lineups in my own accounts. And at the end of the year, we're going to see how they do. So far, we're doing well. Just like we're going to compare our rankings to fantasy pros and other experts at the end of the year. We're going to see how we do. Right now, as of week six, which is... The week that we start counting, once we have enough data, we're doing well. And it's exciting. But we don't get any messages about this. No one has emailed or tweeted the show, hey, lineup number four made me some money. No, ever, ever. Hey, great call on that Ladarius Green ranking. Nope, nope, don't don't hear it. Hey, you had Stefan Diggs in the top 20. Way to go. Nope, no, no. I, I don't want attaboys anyway. I don't want, I just, I just don't want anything. I don't want attaboys. And I don't want correction police. Remember the the allegory we created, the correction police, the little buzzards with the little hats, the little police hats with little sirens circling my head? I don't need them either. 
I just want helpful tweets. I want people tweeting us. I want fun, helpful tweets. Tweet us players with names that are apropos based on the position that they play. That's what I want. Playful, fun, interesting. Can we do that? You're a great audience. You're clearly very smart because you listen to the show and I'm very smart. So I know you're very smart. You have similar sensibilities to me. You have a similar sense of humor to me. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to the show. So I know we can tap into your creative juices and get you to stop this correction police nonsense and start being creative. Start being interesting. That's what kills me. You receive these correction police emails and you're like, is this where your focus is? Is this where your energy is directed at these superfluous corrections that aren't helpful? My God, get better, buzzards, get better. You know who else needs to get better is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is the worst head coach in the National Football League. I know we talk about Mike McCarthy, in-game tactics. Yes, Mike McCarthy freezes up during the game and always kicks field goal on fourth and short. He just freezes up. He chokes in the moment with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Mike McCarthy just chokes. Whenever the game is on the line, it's fourth down, he has to make a difficult decision, he'll kick a field goal, or he'll punt. Even worse, right? Oh, punting. Punting is a turnover. Ugh. The irrational caution that NFL coaches exude on the sidelines, despite looking like tough guys, amazes me. Because Bill O'Brien looks like a tough guy. Bill O'Brien exudes power and authority. He gives great coach. I mean... Listen to a press conference from Bill O'Brien. He exudes coach. Look at that chin. He has that dimpled chin, that butt chin. That's a tough dude. Look at that chin. What a chin. But then you see the decisions that are made in game. It's weird. It's weird. Most coaches, as I've mentioned many times, are irrationally risk averse. Mike McCarthy, exhibit A. Field goal. What? But somehow, Bill O'Brien took that to the opposite extreme he went all the way on the other side and he said not only am i not going to be risk averse in week seven i am going to do the craziest riskiest thing that no other head coach would do that is equally irrational some coaches are irrationally risk averse most coaches are irrationally risk averse in terms of in-game tactics what bill o'brien did this past sunday was irrationally risky he has a star player in Arian Foster. They have two star offensive players in Houston. DeAndre Hopkins and Arian Foster. That's the list. That's their offensive football team. Without Arian Foster and without DeAndre Hopkins, they can't matriculate the ball downfield. They have no offense. Those two players are their offense. Those two players mean a lot. No two players mean more to their offense than Arian Foster and DeAndre Hopkins if we're not allowed to count quarterbacks. So Arian Foster, as we all know, is 29 years old with the longest injury history of any running back in the NFL, maybe in NFL history. Arian Foster has over 1,700 career touches. And Arian Foster was playing in a game that the Houston Texans were losing 44-20 to with five minutes to go. Inexplicably, Bill O'Brien was playing Arian Foster in the hyper-garbage time of the universe. There's no more garbage-garbage time than the garbage-garbage time that 
the Texans were playing in at the end of the Texans-Dolphins game in which they were getting blown out 44-7 to at one point. Hyper garbage time. There was trash on the field. Tumbleweed was blowing across the field. Styrofoam cups. Smashed milk cartons. Used toilet paper. Why would there be used toilet paper? That doesn't make sense. You don't put used toilet paper in the, gar- in the garbage. You put used toilet paper in the toilet and you flush it away. No one puts used toilet paper in the garbage. So there isn't a hypothetical scenario that you could weave where dirty toilet paper ends up in a garbage can, which then gets dumped on the field in which the Houston Texans were playing football. So that didn't make sense. I I was going well. I had styrofoam cups, smashed milk cartons, and then I went to something that's not actually garbage. It's more like sewage. I don't think it matters because that's what the Houston Texans offense is going to become. It's going to become sewage now because they don't have Arian Foster. He tore his Achilles, thanks to Bill O'Brien, playing him in a 44-20 game with five minutes to go! What are you doing? I mean, that is the heights of buffoonery at the coaching position. I mean, it is one thing to violate win probability and not give your team the ultimate best chance to win based on probabilities. That's what Mike McCarthy is doing wrong in Green Bay. Those are the types of rules that he's violating. But Mike McCarthy isn't going out and putting Aaron Rodgers in harm's way when he doesn't need to. Few, if any, NFL coaches do that. They pull their star players off the field, particularly star players, with Arian Foster's injury history and number of career touches. That was the mistake of the year by an NFL head coach. It was buffoonery. It was, I don't, I don't have, I could go, we can go to the dictionary, to the thesaurus, and find all the synonyms for buffoonery or stupid. It doesn't, it was stupid. It was just stupid. What are you doing? And I've known this. He pulled Brian Hoyer way too early. After two weeks, he pulls Brian Hoyer, who was their best quarterback. Bill O'Brien has been playing Alfred Blue over Jonathan Grimes and Chris Polk for two years. At least with Grimes, he's been playing Blue over him for two years. He hasn't been using their second-best receiver, Jalen Strong, hardly at all. We know Bill O'Brien has not been making great coaching decisions on the personnel front, but I never would have imagined that he would make that kind of boneheaded, uber-risky decision with his most precious, most injury-prone asset. I mean, Bill O'Brien has a chin. He exudes power and authority with that chin. But that's it. Bill O'Brien is an empty chin.